Welcome to Boxes and Lines, a different kind of finance podcast from a different kind of stock exchange. Featuring IEX founder Ronan Ryan and Chief Market Policy Officer John Ramsey. Now here to give you the straight talk on how the markets really work. It's Ronan and JR. Welcome, boxers, our liners. Whoever you are, we welcome you back to Boxes and Lines. On today's episode, JR and I got the boot and seasoned guest hosts and IEX business development team member, Jamie stepped in to interview the founder and CEO of Glass Lab, Rachel Apfel-Glass. Rachel began her career in equities trading and saw a gap in services provided for high-powered women working on Wall Street. Really cool, she started Glass Lab in 2018, and it's a unique subscription-based hygiene-first nail salon with a focus on fast, convenient service, which of course is good for the working woman. Opening their first location in New York City's Flatiron District, since then, locations have opened all over the country, and Glass Lab team have no plans of slowing down. Jamie, Rachel, take it away. Rachel, it's wonderful having you here. Rachel Apple Glass, founder of Gloss Lab. We're so excited and grateful for your time, so thank you. Let's jump right in it. Rachel, I know, because we've known each other for some time now, that you started in finance. You now own Gloss Lab, which is truly transforming the beauty industry as the first membership-based nail salon, successful locations all over the country. But can you tell us how you got here? What was the path? How did you jump from one career into another so seamlessly? Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm so happy to be here and so happy to be having this conversation with you. I did start in finance. I worked in hedge fund fundraising out of business school for about 10 years. And I always felt like, a manicure was part of my week. It was part of what made me feel polished and put together and able to run my life and run my job and do all my things and feel really good about myself. And I always felt like there, it was hard to find something in between a mom and pop on the corner and a really high-end spa where a manicure was hygienic, efficient. Um, there was lacking sort of a brand in the space. So ultimately, I did take this crazy jump and left the um, the world of finance to start Gloss Lab. And really with the intention of creating a brand in the nail salon space, I saw that there was a lot of white space. I really went hygiene first, and this was pre-COVID. Um, I am a lifelong germaphobe. So I can attest I, to that. She most <laughs> truly certainly is. Thank you. Um, well before COVID when everybody became a germaphobe. But I, I wanted a place, which I created in Gloss Lab, where hygiene was at the forefront. So we sterilize our, our tools and autoclave sterilizer machines, similar to your doctor or your dentist office. Our services are completely waterless. Every little detail is about hygiene and also about efficiency. So how do we make this manicure that it's an enjoyable part of your day, but it's really efficient. So you can get a same time manicure and pedicure. Our clients are able to book appointments on an app, online, there's cashless checkout. And then I really felt like because a manicure was so much a part of my week every week that it really lent itself to a membership model. So having this membership, which is unlimited manicures and pedicures throughout the month. And I, I really felt like that there needed to be that in the nail salon space. And Jamie, I know you were one of our very, very early members. So <laughs> yes. I thank you for that as a, as a fellow busy finance working mom. 
I mean, it was, it totally served a purpose. And what it reminds me of is I remember being a young woman on a trading desk and seeing the, you know, there's always a business where there's a, usually a gentleman who runs around and takes care of like shining everyone's shoes. A lot of the guys growing up, you know, the, the young guys on the desk and the older guys too were members of like, hair salons where they would go and get their haircut once a month. And it was a membership service. So it felt like when I remember walking into the gloss, I was like, oh, wait, this exists in a million different iterations, just always for men. And it's so brilliant that they're taking something that Rachel's taking something that's like a luxury and creating it in a way that you can still have that feeling, but just do it in a really efficient manner. And all that you just said, you're paying is like, it's a much bigger idea. And I think it speaks to like something about equality that's bigger than just a nail salon is what I'm getting at. Like, yes, it's a frivolous thing to get your nails done, but really what it is, is empowering women who want to do it all. And this is giving them one tool that they don't have to give up something that they really love. They can still fit it in. So I, that's a really important effort, I think. Thank you. And a hundred percent. I agree with you. I would sit in these mostly male hedge fund offices where a shoe shine person would come around in right. the morning in the office and shine shoes. And I would think, I have an investor meeting in 10 minutes. I would love a manicure like, <laughs> right. like right now. Because right. it in the way of shining your shoes, it makes you feel polished and it's put the same together. Thing. Right. Yes. In that vein almost, right? So as a young woman in finance on a trading desk, but really in any role in finance, I think you often are, like it or not, you're often faced with feeling like how you are alike and how you are different from all of your peers. And I think often it's like fertile ground for thinking of ideas because you feel sometimes a bit alone because it's a little bit of a man's world. And in that, if you're looking at a young Rachel right now or a young Jamie, what would you say to a young girl? Like what were the biggest hurdles and how as a young person who's sitting in this workplace that might not feel the motivation to, or the passion for the markets, how do you take that energy that someone who's drawn to finance might have? And how, how do you think that you could inspire them to like follow a passion? What advice would you give that young woman right now? You know, I think to be myself as a, you know, a, a younger woman in finance, in the beginning of working in the industry, I loved so much the fast pace, the smart people being tied to the markets, you know, being so in the know of everything that was going on. At a certain point, I've always been very entrepreneurial by nature. I started a business when I was in business school. And at a certain point, I just felt this pulling of, this is not what I want to be doing every day anymore. And I I knew there were too many days in a row of that where I just knew something had to change. So I think it's a very personal thing. It's a very internal thing, but sort of whatever that is for you. It, and maybe it is a type of a corporate job or being in finance and being in just a different role of what you're doing. But I, I truly believe that if it's too many days in a row of waking up and feeling this feeling of like, this is not what I meant to do. I'm not as alive as I could be doing what I'm doing. It's time to make a change. And sometimes that happens, you know, it's it's okay for that to happen slowly, but I am a very big believer in following that gut because it, it has a voice. It has a loud voice and you sort of, only you know what that is. I think that makes a lot of sense. Someone told me once, if you hired Picasso to build a computer, unlikely he would have been a good fit. So 
there's brilliance. And if it's applied incorrectly, it could go unnoticed. And the only person who can Sherpa yourself into your own destiny is actually yourself. So it's important to, if you are in a role and you just feel like it's not for you, moving can be the most important thing you can ever do. And it's hard. It's probably very scary, but it's, yes. it's definitely worth betting on yourself. That leads me into this next question. So you have an idea. You're like, I know that there's a marketplace for this because I exist and there's many, many versions of me. And I understand there's this huge white space of women who are going to use this. How do you then go into the world of fundraising, which is historically all men and sit in these fundraising meetings? And how does that feel? How is that? And I think you're, if I'm right, you're still going through that. And I, I know you've been very successful because you guys are popping up everywhere. So tell me a little bit about that journey because that's so fascinating. Yeah. So I, I had raised money for hedge funds for about 10 years and then went to raise money for Gloss Lab. And it was a much harder thing to raise money for yourself than right. it was, it was <laughs> through the, the years and years of hedge funds. Easier in the sense of that I was selling my passion and my story, but harder in the sense of I really focused on trying not to raise money for money, but really raising money for this business with the knowledge that I was, I was really bringing people into the family, into, into my business. I'm very fortunate that I've been able to raise money from, I like to say like a great party of investors from all walks of life, from finance to the music industry, to other entrepreneurs. And I feel like it's just been such a wealth of knowledge to have so many partners in this business with me that you know are not just providing capital but really providing so much insight and knowledge and that is equal to the capital and you know and, and really what's fueled the growth so far it's fun to watch you do partner with some really fun people so it's Thank been fun you. to watch the evolution and what do you think when you look at glass lab what do you think for yourself over the next 10 years? How do you envision, or do you not even know what happens next? I would say a mix of both. I see Gloss Lab on almost every corner throughout the country and possibly beyond. I think of nails really is about convenience. So it's not something that you travel to. So I see that mm -hmm. as unlimited growth potential for the number of Gloss Labs as locations. We also have moved into products. So we are starting to have more and more of our own Gloss Lab products in stores. So I see that as as future growth. There's also the unknown. In 10 years, that's a long time. So I think there's, I do think there's so much opportunity. I definitely have our vision, but I think there's um, a lot of potential and a lot of different categories of where we could go with this business, which I'm really excited about. When you look at other brands that inspire you, what are some disruptor, that's such a played word, but what do you, what do you look at? What kind of brands do you think are reinventing what feels like very basic necessities that you have feel are inspiring or doing it really well, or you could take notes from? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of others in this beauty space that are reinventing a Another founder and friend of mine, her name is Nikki Levy. She started Alchemy 43, which is a Botox concept. And I think similarly to what we're doing with Gloss Lab, she's taking sort of the stigma and the difficulty about Botox and other facial procedures um, out of the doctor's office and making it super easy for young women to just 
get the knowledge they need and to start doing these procedures. Um, so I think there's been a lot of innovation, particularly in the beauty space of just making, you know, all of these services for men and women, but easier, simpler, more modernized. Um, and it's exciting. I think the way that, you know, Gloss Lab is raising the game in nails. I'm seeing so many others do that in, in other parts of, of all industries, but particularly in beauty. And speaking of being influenced, you certainly have a fair amount of amazing influencers who seem to frequent Gloss Lab all the time. And it's cool because it's just so many different types of personalities. How has it been kind of tapping? You're very cool. And I know this is, we're all just listening to this, but Rachel is like, just defines cool girl style. But how does it feel tapping into pop culture? The term influencer is still a bit newfangled in traditional finance. So how has this experience been for you? This new type of marketing that's kind of all that brands do now, seemingly. Yes, I agree with you that it's it's new. And I think it's such an evolving, ever-changing piece of the business. We've been very fortunate in that nails is something that People love to take mm-hmm. pictures of their manicures, of getting their nails done, of the manicure, of the nail design. What I thought of when we were creating the Gloss Lab space was how do we make this a space as well that people want to take pictures of? So while they're getting their nails done, we have a mirror that's that's lit up. We have our polish wall. We have sort of the Gloss Up magazine wall. So the space has really lent itself to influencers wanting to come in and wanting to post. For us, it's been very organic of just getting a lot of great influencers and celebrities um, really organically coming into the space, which has been super exciting. You are a mom of two beautiful and smart and wonderful young women. I know them personally. I always feel when I think to my, I also have two daughters, that when I look back on my profession, the What I want to give to them is this idea that everything is sales. No matter what you do, you can be a cardiac surgeon or a scientist or a quantitative researcher. You're always selling. You're selling up. You're selling down. You're selling externally. You're selling internally. And I think being your own advocate and being able to sell is a very underappreciated skill that I hope that I am able to give that gift to my daughters where they know that earlier than I did. As you reflect on your career and you've had twists and turns and so many years of schooling and you've excelled in so many different versions, what do you think is the tie? Like what set you up for success? And what would you ensure that your daughters do to make sure that they have the same kind of outcome? I love this question so much. And I love your girls right back. And I, you know, I love how, how you just phrase that with sales. And I completely, completely agree with you. I think I would look at it as sort of just finding this, you know, what I love is I've found something that I really love. And I always say to my girls that, you can create your own happiness because I felt like I've lived that where I've been in a career where at a certain point I wasn't happy anymore. And I really took a deep dive in. I did a lot of work on myself to try to figure out what that looked like. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy having having this business comes with a lot of risk and a lot of challenges and continues to but I love it. And I love what I'm doing every day. And I definitely think that my daughters can see that just in in what I'm doing and how happy I am. So I think for me, that's sort of at the forefront of I just, I want 
them to see that. And also just, I hope that they, you know, they have that going into yeah. you know, their life now and in the future. I think that's so, it's so simple. It's so true though, being brave to do something you love or never settling to accept the fact this is a job. I'm lucky to have it. Like this is all I deserve. That is, I think, a very important message. We all deserve to love our jobs and it doesn't mean it'll be easy, but I think that everyone should take time to reflect and figure out what it is that actually makes them happy because it certainly creates a more rounded version of yourself when you can find happiness in your career, not just in your life, not in your extracurriculars. Yes, 100%. Okay, Rachel, this is the big question. Do you ever see Gloss Lab going public? I don't know. I see right. it growing and getting very, very big. I, How about I some cool know. new locations? Are we allowed to have any secrets, any spoilers of where you're coming next? So right now we have locations in New York City and the New York area, Miami, Dallas, and the D.C. area. And we definitely have a lot more markets throughout the country coming soon. Woo! That's very exciting. I'm hopeful to one day go to Paris and get a Gloss Lab manicure. You and me both. I love it. (laughs) And I think that's really it. We're so grateful for you, Rachel. Thank you. I'm very excited to watch you take over the world. And we're just so appreciative of your time and your inspiration. And thank you so much for being part of it all. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I love chatting with you. Thank you. Boxes and Lines is a podcast from IEX Exchange. It is hosted by Ronan Ryan and John Ramsey. Executive produced by Daisy Clace. With support from Benstown. For more information and to hear more episodes, go to iexexchange.io slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Boxes and Lines. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only, and IEX Group Incorporated and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversation may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group Incorporated, all rights reserved.